0: Hey folks, thanks for joining me for this episode of the Embellish Podcast, a podcast focused on product stories, product storytellers, interesting brand ambassadors, and anything else that we happen to come up with. Whether you're a bourbon fan, a geek, a casual observer, or someone just floating through the channel, I hope you find what we have here interesting. If you got here by chance, please take a moment to hit the subscribe button. Hopefully, I can be found on any podcasting platform that exists. And if you can't find me on a platform, send me an email at embellishpod at gmail.com and I'll try to get that taken care of. I also generally live stream the recording of these episodes on YouTube. You can also find all of my links on Instagram at EmbellishPod or Twitter with the same handle. I have a website. It is www.embellishpod.com. It's a place you can pick up these links, episode details, and more. Today is December the 15th and we are going to be talking with Dixon, Dixon Dedman of two XO and a handful of other things. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I'll say the, the, the first thing that I ever tasted um, as a native Kentuckian, um, that kind of elevated whiskey above what I would normally expect it to be was a double oaked offering, and so whenever I learned about the idea that you were going to be kind of getting into this, I knew that you know it, it's going to be great, and I'm going to have to like you know fight somebody to get a hold of it, <laughs> um, and you know it 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 was exactly that. I ended up having to source it from another uh, state because I did not see it locally here in uh, Western Kentucky, uh, at least not. Uh, not in any volume that could allow me to get there and so let's, let's, let's dive into you know what is 2XO kind of what was the um, the ethos or the reason of being for 2XO because you've done like everything you've climbed the Everest of, of whiskey uh,
1: or, or bourbondom um, so so what what brought this one on Well look man up front thank you thank you for the opportunity thank you for inviting me um, or actually I begged you um, so thank you for accepting uh, me on your, on your show. Um, really cool. And, uh, you know, looking back at, at, you know, who you've talked to and what you talk about, I think it's, it's really interesting. It's not one of those kind of tell me about your brand things. And, and so, I mean, great job with, with what you're doing, uh, with, with your podcast. And, and I really, you know, I really appreciate the opportunity to, um, to come talk about, you know, some of the stuff we're doing. Um, Really, you know, when to answer your question, I got to kind of go back a little bit. Um, When when my original partner in Kentucky Owl, uh, Mark Carter, and I were kind of talking about the brand, and 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 you know, Mark was saying, "What what is it that that you want to accomplish? What is it that you want to do? What is it that you you know?" And I, I was. I was young. I was really, you know, I had been bitten by the bourbon bug. I was into it. I was a collector. I was too far into it. You know, I mean, I had to have three of, I don't know why you have to have three of everything, but you know, whatever I was in that, that, that stage where you're collecting things. You don't even ever really want to drink. You just have to have it to have it or something. I don't know. Um, So when we were designing, you know, the kind of the program, um, there are a couple of things that were really important to me first was to um, to, to launch a, a i wanted to be barrel proof um, i was really into barrel proof and high proof stuff and i really i um, felt like as a new brand and launching a new brand it was important to um you know you know everybody's gonna come at you if you release something you know with a certain price point and and it's 90 proof or something like that like oh you're just Watering it down to sell more bottles or or you know hiding this or what you know and so the the first thing was you know barrel proof because you can't hide anything in barrel proof it's all it's all there um you could take something from one hundred twenty five to ninety two and you can cover some flaws there or whatever, but in barrel proof so that was that was one of the components the second component was um you know I really wanted to to follow this path of of blending, of taking different distillates and and mingling them, and find out how they work together, and how they, you know, it's it's also it's it's weird. It's not always um, the three things you like the best independently don't always make the best combination, and and so uh, you know, I wanted to explore that. Uh, but further, you know, we were obviously, I mean, it's not near as big a deal now as it used to be. But we were an NDP, we were a non-distilling producer, we we were sourcing. Um, and the thing that was most, you know, really important to me was, was never to, uh, and not, there's anything wrong with this, but for me personally, um, it was very important to, um, to put my thumbprint on the, on the liquid that we were going to use. And, and, um, you know, obviously maturation is is certainly one way to, to change it. To a certain extent but um to a greater extent you know that's that's really where i kind of fell in love with uh taking liquid at a certain point introducing it to new charred oak barrels really changing the whole um flavor character and complexity of these different whiskeys and and you know you can you, you get a lot of uh a lot of interesting components in in a shorter amount of time it, you know it allows you to kind of um, make some changes and, and beef up some product without having to, you know, to wait, whatever, five, six, eight additional years or something. So, you know, it was kind of a test in the beginning, like, let's see what this does, where this goes, how it develops. And, and yeah, you know, I, I really just kind of fell in love with that. I fell in love with the fact that you take something that's, you know, that, that's really nice and you can, you can put that in in a bunch of different barrels um, with a bunch of different flavor, with a bunch of different char levels. And all of a sudden you've, you've taken one distillate and, and from that distillate you've, you've got four or five different flavor profiles to work with in, in the, in the blending process. So it really started. Um, and it's really all about kind of two things. One is putting, you know, putting my own stamp on the liquid and then secondarily um, creating this inventory of, of all these different flavor profiles with which to, to blend. Mm-hmm.
0: And I and I, I've said it a number of times on on this particular podcast and talking to other people, you know, um, some some friends from you know, period Eric from This Is My Bourbon podcast or Whiskey Ring podcast, whatever. Like, I think that 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 between blending and barrel finishing, whether it be you know double oaking or using wine finishes or whatever, is sort of like the the future of bourbon, right? Because you know, for a long time. We got wrapped up in, you know, single source, single producer, blended whiskey is bad. If you're putting it in a finishing barrel, it's because you're trying to hide some sort of a fault or whatever. Um, and, you know, maybe the Scotch or other parts of the world have kind of gotten past that um, snobbishness had moved into like, you can do some kind of really unique and fun and interesting things. And, um, you know, you, you said it yourself that sometimes if you, the, the individual parts, when you put them together, some something that is greater than the individual parts and like sure. where, you know, one plus
1: one becomes four instead of two uh, because they sort of complement that into each other. Well, I think, you know, the other thing that we're starting to find, um, people are starting to find as they open distilleries and, and do, you know, I mean, to get the traditional um, or, or the kind of the bourbon, you know, flavor, excuse me, flavor profile that you or I expect and we want. Yeah. You as know, it, a pretty small, you know, window for what that mash bill has to be to get what, you know, so I mean, you go around and look at, at all the, the big guys the small guys too. I mean, their mash bills are not that far removed from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, And so, you know, I think that's, that's another part of it is like, okay, um, how do we push the needle a little bit? How do we change this profile a little bit? How do we, um, you, know, get, you know, get something a little bit different going on? And, uh, you know, I, I think that's a, a big part of that is because a lot of what's being made right now is all pretty similar. Yeah. You, you get a similar note. You got to do something
0: that's interesting. And and, and you you, t- you touched on, you know, like your, your first venture was an NDP. And, um, I, and I kind of credit um, what you were doing with that particular project, what the Carters have done with their projects and kind of um, taking away some of the stigma that came from NDPs. Right. Because, mm-hmm. you know, in, in the past, a lot of a lot of folks would. Uh, pick up their source whiskey from somewhere else and do whatever they could with the label to obfuscate where it came from. You know, not nothing illegal. You know, there's certain ways that you can kind of, you know, skirt around letting them know it came from Indiana or it came from Tennessee. Um, but you guys just sort of move forward with like, no yeah we went out and bought this but we're blending it to kind of create something that was better and you know we we get stuck with this mindset that you know in the 70s 80s 80s uh, blended whiskey was just a way to try to move more product you know you're trying to get rid of things or whatever and and it, it's shifting from that a, a, a little bit um but you know you kind of worked through that that particular um venture and then you you eventually sold it and you, you seem like the kind of person that has. A really deep connection with the work that you're doing. You even indicated that you want to put your thumbprint on things. Um, is that a hard process? Like building something up, selling it, and then stepping away from it. That feels like that would be like
1: emotionally taxing, at least for maybe a person like you. Um, probably one of the hardest. I mean, I, I it would be tough for me to come up with a, a more difficult decision. Um, than than that one. Um, you know, I mean, I, I truly thought that that was going to be something I would do for ever, um, that that was going to be, you know, and, and then, you know, at some point in your life, you know, you have to take a long, hard look at, um, who you are and, and, and what you've created and what you want people to say about you and and you know it's important to it's important to me anyway to be able to look my kids in the eye and be proud of what I was you know doing and um and and think that I was uh respected in the industry and that you know we had, I had gained so much um trust from from our you know the people who followed our journey and um, you know, at some point you have to make a decision like, you know, can I, can I keep putting my name on something? Can I keep, do I stay with something as much as it means to me, you know, if, if I don't, if I don't believe in, in the program and, Mm -hmm. and not to say that there's, you know, I mean, you know, there's, there's, different opinions on the program and everybody can have a different opinion. You know, I, I, at that point, you know, I, I made the decision, never will regret the decision to, to sell. It was the right thing for the brand at the right time. And it was a phenomenal relationship for a while. And then some changes happened, uh, in the, in the company that I partnered with and they wanted to go in a different direction and that direction was different than mine. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I got to sleep at night, you know? Um, so
0: yeah, I mean, it and and that's fair. And you you know like it, you, you built a brand, like you created a brand. I mean, maybe "create" is not the right term because you sort of revived one, but you created a brand, and then you 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 kind of you know go through this process of selling it. But in the process, you also created this other brand, this brand of Dixon Deadman, right? Like now you've got two brands that you're trying to protect. One is a physical brand, and one is the brand of part of your your identity. And it feels like, and these are all suppositions that I make from digging around through, and this feels always feels weird when you're doing like background research on people. It sort of feels like stalking, but you know, from a professional sense because you're like digging through and reading articles about people. And um, you know, 30 years ago, I'd probably be on a, a, maybe a temporary restraining order, but now you just, you know, slap a podcast on it and it's perfectly fine. But you feel like the, the, the kind of person that, you know, you sold off a brand, but then you stuck with it for, you know, 18 months or whatever it was afterwards. Um, it, you feel like the kind of person like you've got to leave the right way. You're going to work the right way. You're going to build the brand, but you're going to leave the right way as well. And you're going to make sure that you're not just kind of like dropping the bag in somebody else's lap and saying, I've made my money walk off. Um, and, and that feels like the brand of Dixon. I, I mean, it, it, have you gotten that kind of feedback from other folks?
1: Well, man, I, I grew up, you know, in the, in the hospitality business and the, um, you know, and my, my dad, he told me, you know, a long time ago that, that, you know, you, you work just as hard on your last day as you do on your first jet, first day. And, and, you know, that's what you expect. When somebody walks in and says, I'm giving my two weeks notice, I, I always said, well, I understand. And, and, and I wish you, you know, good luck, but a, a two weeks notice means that you give us mm-hmm. those two weeks and, and, Um, you know, you never, ever know how things are going to work out, how things are going to, you know, and, and, and things follow you, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's very important to me to uh, to leave any relationship the right way uh, with respect. And, and I, I still, I respect the, I mean, I respect them. I don't have, there's no No. ill will. We just, we just were going in different directions and, you know, and, and, and quite frankly, you know, for, the first three and a half plus years that that I was after we sold that I was with Stoli, you know, I'm, I had every, um, every bit of, of the, uh, you know, creative. I mean, it was, it was, it was like you, you know, you, it's your show. We'll follow you, you know, let's go. We want to support you, you know, and, and mm-hmm. gave me the tools to grow it and advance it. Um, and then, you know, some, some things changed and, and, and that wasn't there anymore. And I respect that they owned it. They couldn't make those decisions. They just didn't, I just didn't agree with them. So. Right. Um, and that's, I mean, that's,
0: uh, that's, that's any business. If you're not at the top, you're not in charge, somebody can, can change that. And that's, that's, it doesn't feel like changes they made were any ill intent towards you either, at least in my perception, but you know, at, uh, trust and reputation are similar in the fact that you can take a lifetime to build it up and you can destroy it in seconds. And, um, you know, that's that's sort of what you're, you're, you're protecting your own particular legacy. But so you, you've worked in hospitality, uh, you build a brand, you sell it, you then move
1: on. Are you a serial entrepreneur? Like, is this a thing for you? Like you just like the build? I don't, I don't know that I ever like would have said that about myself before. I mean, I think, um, I have that, i have that drive and i maybe sounds bad like not to say i get bored with things but you know it's like i love a challenge and mm-hmm. and you know and and, and you know I, I don't i wouldn't say that i i got back into this out of a exclusively an entrepreneurial spirit as much as a one it's a really fun business to be in mm-hmm. Uh, two, I'm very passionate about it. Uh, three, I had some phenomenal people who wanted to help me um, realize uh, the, kind of this this vision I had. And then, you know, I, I felt like there was, for me in this industry, I felt like there was a lot of uh, meat still on the bone, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've invested in some other things. I've, you know, I, I you know, things that um, I think are fun and that, that interest me or whatever. Um, You know, I'm, I I wouldn't say I'm, it's like, Oh, I'm looking for the next thing all the time. You know, I'm, I, I'm I'm very content with what I have. Um, So I I think it was, it wasn't as much about like, Oh, I want to start another business and, and, and try to, you know, it was like, man, I had a lot of fun doing that. And Mm -hmm. I think, the vision that I had and my team have for what we're doing with two XO um, you know, there, there's a lot of, I a lot, we can just have a lot of fun doing it.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so two XO, the, the, the first blend of that is out. Um, I would suspect that there's not a ton of bottles left on the shelves anywhere. Um, they probably went pretty fast. Or at least that was my sort of perception, but it's called the Phoenix blend, right? It, it did, did you derive the name or did somebody else come up with the name of Phoenix?
1: Well, you know, one of the things I wanted to do with, um, with this brand was, was to... And I, that's, that's, my, that, that's really where I get a lot of my joy is the blending process and, and creating these kind of one-off unique blends. And so um, this is actually kind of the middle tier of the program. That is two XO. Is is this you know? And the Phoenix Blend is the first in that tier. Um, We're calling it the Icon Series, and Mm -hmm. um, the idea is that instead of a batch one, batch two, batch three, batch four, I got to go find that little number on the bottom of the label somewhere. Mm -hmm. um, That really we would um, we would create kind of a name. You know, it's kind of like we would name it based on where i was in my life and in my journey and and we would kind of tell a story um, around that with the bottle and then create a different icon for each of those so the second release which i've actually been working on for the last week and a half um will be called the innkeepers blend and instead of that phoenix on the front it will have a lantern which is a you know symbol of hospitality and and that's kind of a tribute to my past in, in that industry and, and kind of, so, um, you know, it was, it was kind of an evolution of, of, you know, and at that point it was all like, okay, so what's the first one going to be? And, you know, and it's all the, you know, new beginning resurrect, you know, whatever, all those mm-hmm. things. And, and, um, you know, we, somebody just said, what about, what about if we put a, like the Phoenix plan I was like the Phoenix plan then, Mm-hmm. then i you know i am sure a lot of people would argue this, but like i I like to think of myself as a pretty modest and humble person, and so to I was like, i'm not sure I can like go around and tell people like this is my rising from the other you know whatever. yeah like, I was like i don't you know, but um it works cool image looks cool on a bottle um so yeah our our team we kind of came i'm not sure which one of us threw that out there mm-hmm. um but yeah, you know, all of that stuff—the kind of brainstorming that goes into that type of thing—it's just—it's a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, and I and, and I ask that slightly because I, you know, I, I don't know what your team looks like. It, it may be maybe relatively younger, and I think you and I are similarly aged. And where, you know, we can we can look back as a phoenix and understand its connection to you know, Greek mythology, cause you may have had a, a class or two at right. some point in time, but there's a generation of people that are, you know, that are starting to work with us in, in different industries that a Phoenix to them is going to come from Harry Potter. That's right? exactly because, right. That's exactly right? right. And so that was
1: my next question was like, you know, is this a Harry
0: Potter Phoenix or is this a Greek mythology? Phoenix? No, I there's no, no, no Harry Potter thing, reference
1: though. yet. I mean, if we get really desperate, we might go down that, but I think, <laughs> I think JK Rowling's attorneys have probably, um, Tough, well, as long tough as you don't use that with. phoenix's name she can't right. say
0: anything because i mean it is greek mythology and so you, you don't get to do that but see you, you guys are working on blends and, and blends like i said I, th- I think are a big thing is there you know that process seems like it's gonna be pretty arduous um and i think about you know when, whenever you have the greats in the past that might have weird ways of kind of going into a basketball game, football game, they get different rituals. Do you have like a, you have like a weird thing that you do before you're sitting down to do a blend? Do you like wear certain socks, you know, like chalk on your hands? Like you got anything like that?
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, it's a series of calisthenics, uh, mm-hmm. you know, followed by, um, always a greasy cheat. No, I'm just kidding. I, no. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think, um, it's 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 kind of a like a zone that you go into like you know i I mean it's not something that you know i can't do it at home i can't do it you know i i've got this great space now and i used to have one at the end you know and it's just kind of like you know i i I don't know music no you know it's just you just kind of processing things and and Mm -hmm. And it's funny too, because a lot of times people will say, I'd love to come up and blend with you for a day. And it's like, well, I know that like sounds like something like the way it works, but for me, you know, I'll, I'll kind of put something together, um, taste it, go off and do something for a little bit, come back, taste it again, really spend some time with it. uh, Spend some time with the individual elements and see what's, what's coming through and what, you know, if there's something, you know, whatever, and 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 then you kind of make something else, and you walk away, and you come back to it, and um, you know, it's 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 not like okay, today from eleven until three, I'm going to sit here and keep pouring stuff into a graduated mm-hmm. cylinder, cylinder until I find that you know, um, but it's you know, I, I'm I, I I don't I don't bring anybody in on it, I don't. I don't have a panel. I don't have, um, it's just, you know, it's just kind of this one little thing that I do. And when I get into it, you know, I'm, it's kind of always there. It's I'm always kind of processing it and thinking about it. And, um, and then you just get to that point where you go, Oh, that's it. You know?
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So uh,
0: I, and I got a couple of different things here, but so I'm going to start with one. Um, you know, like when I taste whiskey, I I, I hate giving notes because I think it's like one of the dumbest things in the world because what I taste and what you taste may be different. You know, like your your concept of bananas may be a true banana and might, might be runts, you know, like banana runts, which are two different banana flavors. But I do sort of have this rule in my own brain where I've got to taste something three times before I decide I don't like it. If I taste the first time I like it, I you know, okay, that's fine. I'm going to like it another time later on. But if I taste it once and I don't like it, I taste it a second time, I don't like it third time because – Environmental goes into it, and you know what my mood is, and what time of the day, and did I drink other whiskey beforehand? Do you have like kind of a minimum n- number of times you're going to taste the blend before you're like?
1: I will. I taste. Thing. I just keep. Ta- I mean, I constantly, and you know, even if I have one that I don't like, I'll always, especially when we start doing blind. You know, I start doing this blind and setting them up, and I'm trying to work them in and see if I can always pick out the ones I, I don't. And you know, I mean, um, you know, I. I I'll never, I never get one and say, Oh, I got it. That's it. And mm-hmm. then, you know, it, I mean, it'll, I, I'll taste it six, seven, eight different settings just to make sure that it's, it's there. The other thing that's funny is like, it doesn't matter. Right? you know, I start with 200 ml blends. Like, so I just make little small things, but you know, you make it today and it's, it's, you know, those things, 24 hours are kind of mingling and settling down and chilling out you know it, it's really hard to even evaluate it without you know giving it you know 24 hours to sit there and kind of mm-hmm. um, i don't know mesh or meld or whatever right. whatever the term is so um yeah it's kind of an ongoing thing and and um you know i am I'm, I'm like you i one of the, i actually the two things that i like the least about working in this industry are 6am flights and you know having to write tasting notes like i despise it (laughs) and i there's a whole nother story but you know i've i've really feel like you can put essentially put tasters into three categories you know and and um so it's it's a real special person that can actually articulate specific notes and things like that And, and and i have to really focus to to get it to get it done and even mine are are not probably as specific as some people would like, but I, you know, I work on feel like I, mm-hmm. I it has to feel right to me. I, I'm not necessarily concerned if it's an, uh, a heavier note of caramelized rhubarb or not enough toasted sassafras. I, I I want it to feel right. And it's got to feel balanced. I want it to feel, I want to feel it on the front of my palate, and move to the back of the, pal- you know, back of the palate and have a little spice. I want it to stay off the sides i don't want it to be bitter i don't want it to be acidic you know and sometimes it can be heavier in one portion or another as long as it still has that feeling of balance but um that's really you know kind of what i'm when i'm building it's it's really more on feel not like i'm not scribbling down honeysuckle boysenberry (laughs) you know yeah things that people may have
0: yeah. never had right and do you mean honeysuckle as a flavor do you mean honeysuckle like i'm walking right. out to the fence row behind my house and i'm actually pulling out the liquid from the honeysuckle right. itself right. right and not everybody gets that experience I, you know you you joke pretty regularly that you're just a hillbilly from kentucky and i think you know it's it, it it's a bit of a badge but also a misnomer cuz you're a little more than a hillbilly but i guarantee you, you've gone out and you've pulled a honeysuckle flower off you pulled the little stem through and you've got your and that's a different flavor than honeysuckle scent or honeysuckle whatever and that's the the problem you know if i'm going to give somebody a note it's going to try to be as as vague and general as possible so they get the idea i'd rather talk about the emotion that it brings or the memory that it drives up you know because well that's that's
1: not a thing real. you know he's talking about all the times like you got people who are just yes no good bad mm-hmm. i like it i don't like it and you got people that are just they're like oh i you know i get um you know, dried walnut, I get, you know, whatever. And then, you know, what I, what I love and my favorite place to connect with people, I was doing the tastings at the end and stuff like that is when you give somebody something and it immediately takes them to like that very specific memory. Like it Mm -hmm. becomes a very personal experience for them. You know, it's like to your point, you smell something that's very floral and yeah. What does it do? It reminds you of your, grandmother's azalea bushes after it rained when you were a kid or reminds you of you know the cookies that somebody brought on christmas eve for you to leave for santa every you know what i mean those kinds of things yeah. like that's that super personal experience or whatever and 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 i love tasting with people that can do that you know what i mean mm-hmm. it's just it's just fun yeah and this nostalgia is a hell of a drug and you know it can take what might actually
0: not be a great tasting whiskey and, and move it to a great place in your mind and Mm -hmm. have a distinct memory. I was with some friends. We were in a, in a cabin in the mountains and they hand me this whiskey and it's got this really distinct in the eighties when you got a brand new pair of tennis shoes that had leather in them, you open up the box and there's a very distinct smell that kind of comes along with it and kind of fills your mouth and it's not a great taste, but we didn't get a lot of brand new shoes when I was a kid. And so that like, Took me to a place sure. like I remember this one time, which is a great memory, but a terrible taste. And so now I have this like fond place for,
1: for a whiskey that's maybe not so great, uh, but look, it was right. perfect. I, I remember the first, I mean, it's not the first time I had it, but you know, I, somebody handed me one time a, a, and this is probably 2012, 2013, like handed me this Cairn and said, what do you think about this? And I was like, you know, this is so interesting. This, this reminds me of the way, like the back corner of my parents' garage when I was a kid, like it's just it's not bad, not but it's like kind of musty and you know, mm-hmm. kind of whatever. And of course it was Pappy 23. And I was like, you know, I'll forever link Pappy 23 to the back corner of my parents' garage, and I don't right. you know, it was just it, cra- and, it? and it stuck
0: there. And, and it and it could still be a good memory, even if it's not necessarily sure. and, and I even told the person, and they're like did you just tell like I gave you the taste of this whiskey and you're telling me it tastes like a shoe. And I'm like, it's, that's not, the, that's not what I'm saying. Right. And so you something. gotta like, you gotta back up and give them the full story, but then it's more impactful. It's more personable. It's uh, I think it's what it is. And um, you know, it, like that's the, that, that's the part that makes like tasting fun is you're able to kind of share memories. Mm-hmm. And that's what I think makes Brown spirit specifically fun. Um but as a part of the blending, like you did this tasting, I found this on Instagram where, um, I don't know who you did it for, but you, you kind of got the, the, the parts that made oh, the blend, yeah. right? And you take that out. And this is something that I told, I absolutely told uh, Matt and Danny and, and, and Mike from Penelope whenever they were on back in the summer. I was like, you need to build a kit where you've got the bottle that you blended and then you got maybe some little 50 mls of the what you made to blend it and let people like recreate or taste the parts or whatever like because that's that's a thing that is that is not out there but like that's a interesting tasting like, yeah i thought did, it was it
1: was that. fun it was um it was something that i came up with that we were we, we did in some markets with some of the distributors and some of the big powerful mm-hmm. retailers that you gotta you know and 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 then it, it, what it became with a lot of people is an exercise in blending. And when they can look at these four different components and say, wow, you know, I really like this third one. The first one's kind of weird. I don't like the second one at all, you know. And and then all of a sudden you give them the finished product and you're like, how the hell does that happen? And it's like, I don't, you know, it's just, it's kind of crazy. And so I, I actually was invited to do this event down in Georgia. Um, and and you know it was this food paired and everything and of course I've only got one product on the market right now you know it's not like I can take, you know so I said hey what about if if we if we did this deconstructed tasting for your members I work with the chef and we pair it with dishes and and they were like this has to be an ongoing thing like this you mm-hmm. know it's just it's it's you've created it's, a monster it's another that point. I mean, it's probably true but you know it's it's just a really kind of fun. Um, I mean, I, I loved it. I loved going mm-hmm. through it and, and kind of, um, you know, cause I actually get to a point where um, I'm, uh, you know, you're kind of less focused on the components anymore. You're starting to dial in on how they react and, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you, you add a little bit of this and take away a little bit of that. And all of a sudden, you know, it goes in this great direction. And you're like, okay, we need to follow that. Um, so then to like come back later and, and deconstruct it is, is actually a lot of fun. Yeah. And, it, you know, and then there's the, there's the whole blending on a
0: timeline, right? Like, uh, so I, I got the wonderful opportunity of being at whiskey Week in batch four. And so you end up on stage and uh-huh. you've got what maybe, an, maybe 30 minutes to make a blend. Right. And then bring it back out for competition. Like I, I'm just sitting out in the audience watching, and I thoroughly enjoyed it because I'm like, I know this is a thing you take like a high degree of care and craft over as a part of your profession, and now it's like, hey, sit on stage with these other, you know, four or five
1: folks and try to come to a to to a center idea. No, that was that was just that was fun, and the other problem with that was, you know, I'd only had about. 37 things to drink by the time they put us up there on that stage that, that people continually hand it. Yeah. And, 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 you know, so, and then, you know, it was funny about that one. it was like, all right, we're gonna, everybody in here has, you know, is, is well on their way. So we're, let's make mm-hmm. something that's really smooth, really easy. Really. So we put this together. Was like, this is great. I was like, I want you all to. I want you all to put a, a drop of water in each one of mm-hmm. these glasses. We did that, and all the a it was like, oh, this controversy was controversy. Yes, and gambling. then everybody's like, oh, I didn't know we could add water. It's like, hey, I mean. <laughs> Yeah. think outside the box every once in a while, you know,
0: I, I was on board with it and I, I, I bought both of the blends. I have yet to, to crack them open to do the comparison to see if the final decision was legitimate or not. Um, you know, because th- at the other end of that, the person who was judging was also in the same place of yes. probably having had yes. 20 or 30 different drinks that night. Like there was, there was no science to that. It was all art and finesse is all. There it was, is you know, no what it telling what, um, those taste like, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like <laughs> Um, so we've got a, just a little bit of time. We're going to probably hit some maybe weirder questions, right? Um, I think I might know the answer to this, okay. but is there anything out there that you enjoy more musically than nineties hip hop?
1: Um, i don't know i mean you know i kind of like goofy pop music with my kids and stuff like Mm -hmm. that but yeah i mean kind of 90s hip hop is my my jam for sure um it uh like like songs come on on the way to on the way to school and my kids are just like oh here he goes he's gonna twist the knob off or whatever and (laughs) it happens the, the same thing happens in my car as well. And I, I fully
0: appreciated that as I'm doing the, you know, I'm like maybe five or 10 scrolls deep into the Instagram feed and I come across like kids jamming out to nineties hip hop. And I'm like, there it is. There's some, there's some biggie smalls playing. And this is, you're raising your kids, right? You know, you're raising your kids right at this point.
1: It's it's, it's kind of our little, I, and actually sometimes when they just start really getting on my nerves in the car on the way to school, I just like go to my phone and I'm like, all right, I'm going to just, blow the uh, at least I won't be able to hear them Yeah. You know. yes yeah no,
0: <laughs> I've, I've been in those shoes um so the other thing and, and this is something that I've, I've seen in the whiskey community which I, I'm trying to figure out why there's this correlation here but were you are you a fan of visiting Disney prior to having kids like was that a thing that you were interested in doing or was it a product of having children
1: I was not my wife's family are like they've probably paid for that Dagon castle a few times mm-hmm. over i mean they're they're diehards. so um you know i held off with my wife until we had kids um mm-hmm. and then we went and the whole way down there i was like I, you know i went once as a kid but i was going down there i was like i'm gonna hate this i'm gonna hate this i'm gonna hate this you get down there and all of a sudden it's like you know what this is not so bad and yep. all of a sudden you know, it's two o'clock in the afternoon and you're watching your kids have a great time or meltdown or whatever, but no one cares because their kids are melting down. Yeah. And then it's like, Oh, we can buy a beer over here. Okay. That's even better. And and it's, it's okay. So, you know, we've been, I don't know, I guess we will miss one year because of COVID, but it's like six or seven in a row for spring break. And, mm-hmm. and, um, uh, as another one of those things, I just, I never, I thought, I thought I'd hate it. And I, you know, I, I take a lot from my kids. I, you know, I've, mm-hmm. I, I, I really, um, you know, I love coaching my kids. I love, um, and, and it just, you know, whatever, if it brings them joy, I just, I, I really find joy in it myself, I guess.
0: Yeah, and it's because you come across it from the guys from the podcast. You come across it from the guys from this is my bourbon podcast. They're all like huge Disney fans, and there's this like growing group of people in the in 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 whiskey tube whiskey podcasting whiskey Instagram that are just like huge huge fans. And I think it kind of pushes back to storytelling and the ability to to, to storytelling. Disney has a capability of doing
1: that better than just about anywhere in the world. Well, there's pretty good food and drink down there yeah. too, which is, you know, surprised me, but I find a majority of the people that are pretty into, into things like we're into also enjoy good food, food. and good drink. So.
0: Yeah. At, at one point we were probably all chasing down craft beer uh, 20 years ago before whiskey was a, as big a thing as it is now. But um, you know, we're a couple minutes away from you need to be done. You have, and this I, it, I've asked other people that are like whiskey podcasters or whatever, like you have a podcast on a YouTube channel, right? Like, but like everybody I've asked doesn't know this yet. And I think that y- it's, it's going to make the rest of us want to quit because you have a fantastic way of storytelling and communicating with people and, and you always have. And now that you're actually pushing into this, like uh, just, you know, well, this may be I, the last episode I, for me.
1: I get credit for that, but I have very little to do with it other than, you know, showing up and, and logging on for the recordings. You know, I mean, it. it I always wanted to do it. I thought it would be really fun. Um, I found a partner or, you know, this guy, I was kind of consulting with him and he said, Hey, I've been thinking about doing this. I said, yes, I, that sounds awesome. I'd love to be a part of it as long as I have to do nothing. Um, but, make a fool of myself and in in front of the and and they're like oh yeah yeah you'll be great at that and i was like thanks i think um but you know i mean it's fun and it's kind of we've done the same thing we brought like you know um bringing on people and 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 sharing um stories about you know what it's like to launch a I i mean that that's what we were really trying to do is is Mm -hmm. tell a different story about you know the inner workings of creating a brand, developing a brand, the challenges that people don't get, um, you know, from outside like distribution, like navigating the TTB, like, you know, working with salespeople, like, you know, all of that kind of stuff. And and um, and then I usually just kind of mix in some stupid story about something that happened to me in there too or whatever. But, you know, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's fun. I, I enjoy it. Um, it's a little bit therapeutic, you know? mm mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, so I, I will absolutely give it credit in the
0: last 48 hours. I think I've binged 75 to 80% of what you guys have put out on YouTube or, uh, within the, the podcasting app. And so it's, it is great. And, you know, I kind of mentioned this off air, uh, you're already leaps and bounds above where most of podcasters are as far as equipment. So, so kudos to that.
1: Um, well, like I told know. you I can connect it. Like I know yep. what's supposed to plug into where, um, that's more than some of us can do, so that's, you know that, I mean, that's that's a you know, if, if you were like, Hey, turn down your whatever, I'd be like, Yeah, sorry, I don't know where that is. You're gonna have to,
0: <laughs> we're gonna have to FaceTime for that part. I mean, yeah. have to yeah. show me the camera and I'll show you where to go with it. Um, I guess the last thing I have. Um, I, like I said earlier, I think that, um, I think you and I are similarly aged. You're in early Mm forties.
1: Um,
0: I got a a good friend of mine, David Levine. He runs whiskey reading podcast. He was talking to somebody else and your name came up in his last episode. And he said, he's pretty sure that you're in like a Dorian gray type situation because you're making the rest of us 42 year olds look really, really bad, right? Like you're, you're carrying this, this, this youth age view. Like, how how what are we doing here? What do we need to do different, Dixon?
1: I I think it's all falling apart very quickly here. It may have just you know I I think I, I think it's um it's coming. I'm gonna get it at some but you know it's it's on its way. You you're know. saying you're just ten years behind us, like you know we we did this ten years ago and you're you're catching. I don't heart. I don't know if I'm I may be pickled at this point. That may be the other thing. You know it may just be like I'm I'm preserved with as much booze as I've consumed. I, I'm not really sure.
0: Yeah, I mean it, it could be something along that lines. We're we're at three fifty or four fifty your time. You've got some things to take care of. Uh, I appreciate you for joining me. um You know, we got, I think we got through maybe thirty percent of my questions, so we'll have to do this again sometime. We can do
1: it again anytime, especially because you're very accommodating and and the one the hardest thing, not the hardest thing, but you know, sometimes it's yeah. like, yeah, would you be on my podcast? I'm like, sure. Like, okay, we need to record it at ten o'clock your time, and I'm like, um. that's a little problematic or whatever but i'd be i'd love to do it i'd love to come back on i'd love to answer all your questions i think you um i give you credit you're very thoughtful in the way you put this together uh and the question you know the way you go about it you're asking questions that are interesting not like hey tell, tell me about your brand. Tell me, you know, I mean, how, so, how many so, cases can you say? Right. right. So mm-hmm. and, I mean, and, and I, those
0: are all important things, but you've likely answered that for somebody else already. And, and I'm not really sure people care about it.
1: You know, I mean,
0: well, I mean, and, we, we've got one person that did say, Hey, what's the distribution going to be like on Phoenix, on the, the innkeepers blend versus Phoenix blend. But I said, somebody, somebody's probably covered it. And if not, yeah, um, no, we're, we're, we're going to
1: increase gonna it by a little bit. And I think we're adding four or five additional markets. So, mm-hmm. um, but that's you know I mean I, I get it that's that's yeah. interesting I, I don't mean that people don't care about it but I, I yeah. you know
0: well, I think I think they're specifically asking because it's like can I get a bottle am I gonna be able to get a bottle yeah. am I gonna well, be close by and, and and the guy that's asking actually is the one so I live in Western Kentucky in a state where you have distribution but he lives somewhere else and he was the one that would enabled me to pick up a, a bottle of it and um I've, I thoroughly enjoyed
1: it where is I, he he is in maybe. We are launching Maryland and DC in uh in the spring with, with the innkeepers blend. We will be yeah. in both Maryland and DC. Perfect. Perfect. All right, like I
0: said, appreciate it. I don't want to steal any more of your no, time. No, no. You're then, great. Then...
1: I'd love to do it again. Uh yep. we'll set it up. If, if you'll have me, you may just be saying that to be nice. And then after this, you're like delete or whatever, you know, but, <laughs> no, um, no, definitely not the case. Um, the, the reason why
0: I even started podcasting was to be able to have interesting conversations with people. I, I sort of put myself in the box for a year and said, for a year, I'm going to sit in a room by myself. I'm going to record to so make sure it's not one of these like ideas that, I, Oh, I want to do this thing. And then <sighs> I get six months in and then I'm like, ah, I'm over it. You know, before I start taking other people's time. So I did it and when I hit that one-year mark. It was like, all right, now who wants to talk to me? And luckily, a lot of people have said yes, and I'll talk to anybody. It don't well, matter.
1: you do a great job. You do a great it. job. Absolutely, man. It. Thank you well, so much. Well, thank you very much for having me on. I appreciate yeah. it. It's an honor. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you so have much. It. Yes, sir.
0: Thanks for tuning in for this offering of the embellished podcast. If you enjoyed this, please leave me a review on whatever platform that you have to be consuming this on. Hit me up on social media, on Instagram or Twitter using the Embellish pod handle. Um, you can follow, you can keep up with what's going on here. Um, I can also be found at www.embellishpod.com. Uh, all of my links, accounts, contact details, and so forth. Um, I'll be back again next week. Actually, I'll be back again on Sunday. Um, I'm going to have an interview with David Jennings of, Um, wild turkey slash rare bird uh, infamy Uh, we'll have a good fun conversation and see what's going on with that so till then cheers and thanks for hanging out